Chapter 36 of Six Months in Mexico by Nellie Bly. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista. Some Mexican Legends. There is hardly a spot in Mexico that has not some romantic history connected with it, and the tales are always so beautiful and full of thrilling romance. I would like to live in Mexico sometime and devote all my attention to gathering these interesting stories. I have given samples of them in the history of Don Juan Manuel. The Street of the Jewel is also connected with a story full of love and its companion, Despair. Here dwell Gaspar Villarreal and his wife, Violante Armejo. Gaspar was a man of moderate means, but he had enough to preserve his wife from labor. She was of wondrous beauty, but quite strange. She only cared to hide herself in her convent-like home. She loved her husband, and he was as jealous as a Mexican can be. One day a young noble, Diego de Fajardo, rode by the door, and being thirsty, he asked the mozo for a drink. Violante sat in the corridor, looking upon the garden, and dreaming, doubtless, of her absent lord. True to the instincts of her race, she ordered the mozo to take the stranger a glass of wine. The servant did her bidding explaining to the young cavalier the reason of the change in his refreshments. Diego de Fajardo felt that it would be churlish to ride away without acknowledging the gracious hospitality. He tossed his bridle to the man and passed into the garden. Violante still sat in her hammock, garbed in spotless white, the perfection of beauty, grace, and innocence. The young caballero had not uttered his thanks until he had vowed to win Gaspar Villarreal's lovely wife. Day after day he watched the casa, waiting for an opportunity to find the wife alone. At last, fate favored him. It was near nightfall when he saw the husband come forth and, taking saddle, ride toward the city. In a moment, eager and confident, he fell on his knees before Violante and confessed his love. She did not fall into his arms, but she spurned him, and with such anger that he saw his conduct in its true light. And, repentant, he arose from his knees and left her. Violante started to her chamber to seek her rosary and to cool her throbbing brow with the touch of holy water, when her foot struck a sparkling object. It was a bracelet with her name Violante in diamonds, close beside the coronet and arms of De Fajardo. As she stood, her husband entered. Having to return for something, he had been struck with horror to see a man rush from his gateway. There stood his wife with the jewel in her hand, the evidence of her guilt. Without a word, he sunk his dagger in her breast. As she sunk lifeless to the floor, he snatched the gleaming bracelet from her stiffening fingers and left the house. Diego de Fajardo was wakened in the morning by his mozo. Something had happened and he was wanted to go out in the street to see if he could understand it. Tremblingly, he obeyed. On the pavement, Gaspar Villarreal lay rigid, his garments soaked with his life's blood. Near the bronze knocker of the massive door was a splendid diamond bracelet suspended on a blood-stained dagger. In 1550, the lake of Tejojo overflowed and almost submerged the city of Mexico. Among the objects found drifting upon the water was a large canvas on which appeared a beautiful representation of the Virgin. None could determine where it came from, 
so a chapel was built for it. It is called Our Lady of the Angels. For centuries it has received the veneration of man. Another inundation occurred in 1607, and all the chapel except the side holding the Virgin's picture was washed away. Despite all the storms, the picture was said to be as bright as if just from the painter's brush. A new chapel was built around this marvelous painting, which stood until 1627, when another flood took it all away, excepting the one wall holding the Virgin's likeness. There, neglected and unprotected, it stood as the storms had left it until 1745, when a succession of public calamities drove the people to employ the succor of the Virgin. A building was again erected around the uninjured painting. Thus, until the present day, the people in need seek the painting to pour forth their prayers at its feet. El Desierto and its old Carmelite convent occupy the most charming spot in Mexico. It is only 15 miles from the capital, and the way is along the most romantic and picturesque road a southern clime can produce. The forest that surrounds El Desierto is composed of the largest trees in the valley, hardly excepting those of Chapultepec. The convent was a group of massive buildings, domes, and turrets now crumbling into decay. In 1625, the monks retreated to this wilderness to mortify the flesh, and strange stories of their serio-jovial life, their sparkling wines, and romance of their hermit-like existence come creeping down through centuries. The jolly monks are no more, and the winds sigh through the mighty forest that has ridden romance, love, and tragedy from the world. The conqueror Cortes, not satisfied with robbing the grand old Aztec king Montezuma of his land and life, also robbed him of his daughter. The poor woman, after he deserted her, died in a convent, leaving a daughter, the child of Cortes. This daughter of Cortes and granddaughter of Montezuma was married very young to a Spanish captain, Quinteros. There are now in Puebla descendants of that illegal love. End of chapter 36 Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista